Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the House Divided podcast. We are not dead, folks. Uh, I am Brendan, and my co-host Jeremy is here tonight. Uh, Jeremy, how are you? Doing well. We are. We are back. You you moved into a new apartment. Like we got life changes happening. But uh, yeah, man, we are we're back to talk some some sports. It, it, you can clearly just blame me. Yeah, unless you basketball wins two games, and now I'm ready to record. Let's do this thing. Let's, yeah. Well, (laughs) it started because uh, Michigan got put on a hiatus for everything. And I was like, man, I don't want to talk about any of this because having an opinion about that seemed terrible. And uh, (laughs) it feels good to have sports back, though. After losing them for a month, I know it was a similar time where you lost MSU basketball. So, yeah, yeah, it's not really fun. Feels good to be back in the swing of things, but it also feels very strange that we are already like in the thick of it like right in the rundown to tourney time because we just lost like a month a season there in the middle but uh it's exciting i can't believe we're almost to the tournament already yeah i think this is also our first time recording since we could legally gamble in the state of michigan on our uh our mobile sports betting so you know we had our ways to distract ourselves in our downtimes so that's not a bad thing at all for us. Although some days are better than others. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but I tell you what, the, it's been great because I would have never gotten any of these free money deals from uh, DSI or Bovada. So yeah, it, it's been pretty nice. When those uh, dry up, it's going to be really sad, but I also won't have to root for Michigan anymore, you know, because I have used some Michigan bets for some free money. So yeah, Michigan plus one Oh one against Wisconsin. <laughs> Right, exactly. Better to the moon. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Well, uh, nature is healing. We are back. Indiana is blowing a massive lead. So let's dive into it. Uh, should, can we start with Michigan hoops? I feel like I deserve this. Yeah, I, no, let's do it, man. Let's do right. it. Let's, you, so, you waited the longest. So, yeah. So thanks to your boys uh, with MSU beating Illinois. Michigan now has a 93% chance to win the sole Big Ten title and a 98% chance to share the title. Uh, that's via Bart Torvik. So feels good, man, especially when we're talking about uh, what, what the analytics are saying is one of the most loaded conferences since like the, since the year 2000, I think. It's uh, – it's crazy how good this team is. I, we could talk about the Ohio State game in specific, in specific for a minute because I do want to make a comment. That game, I don't know how much of it or if any of it you got to watch, but it was legitimately one of the best regular season games I've ever seen in college hoops. Now, you may be spoiled to some better games as you know, you've had more experience with MSU being elite and playing other elite teams, but I mean – Neither teams were really slouching on defense. Uh, maybe Ohio, Michigan was getting better shots, but uh, Michigan was playing tough defense, and Ohio State put up 87 points. Uh, it was it was just awesome offensive basketball. D- did you get to watch any of it? I didn't get to watch uh, much of any of it, but I will say that felt like this has only happened a couple of times throughout the year. Actually, for me, last night watching the Illinois game was similar. Of man, that really just blows that no fans are there. 
Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure Michigan wins that game with fans there, so I'm not ready to say that. But I do agree in general that it sucks that these uh, these high-stakes, awesome games are happening without anybody there to witness it and to add to the environment. But yeah, yeah, so, so many of uh, so many so of MSU basketball games have felt, felt like empty like games. games. Mm-hmm. That, that one felt like you guys, guys deserved a, a full game. game. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I will say the one thing is, uh, man, <laughs> it, it sucks that nobody was there. But going into this pandemic, the first month or two before we got any live sports back at all. I was really worried that having sports without fans was not going to live up to to the previous years. And I don't know if it's just the fact that Michigan's bench and their uh, walk-ons act as a crowd or, or what, but it, it didn't feel too much different. It, it was awesome. Um, but let's get back to this Michigan team because Franz Wagner is probably their – second best player, he didn't hit double figures against Ohio State, and they scored 92 points and won. I mean, it's just absurd how many weapons this team has. They win a close game on the road, and I see a lot of Ohio State fans downplaying it. It was a regular season game, stuff like that. But it was just the way they won. EJ Lydell and, uh, oh God, what's the guy's Dwayne Washington, I think, the guy from Michigan. They, the state of Michigan, not the team. Sorry, I don't want to confuse anybody who may not be as well-versed in Ohio State's roster. Dwayne Washington is an Ohio State player who uh, was from Michigan, and I swear to God, every time he gets the opportunity to tear up at Michigan or MSU, he does. He went for 30 points. Lydell went from tw- for 23, but they were hitting tough shots all day. Whereas Michigan, you know, they would go 10 of 13 from three in the first half, only hit one more the rest of the game, but they were getting good looks. I'm confident if those two teams play a seven game series, uh, I'm confident Michigan's going to would win it. it. And that's not to take away from Ohio state. Cause I think they're a legit top five team. It, it's just so cool to see a team this good. Uh, and going forward, like I said, if they have to go three and two to secure the Big Ten championship over their last five, those games being against Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, and then MSU twice. Um, and, you know, for a team that's 11 and one in the conference, that feels like a pretty good bet. So uh, it feels a little bit surreal just how quickly Juwan has turned. And I mean, we were talking last year, like, or not last year, but going into the season, like, man, this could be a good year, but wait till this number one ranked recruiting class gets in. And now I'm sitting here in February and I'm almost certain Michigan's going to take a step back next year because of how good this team is with so many veteran leaders. It's uh, I'm glad I got this chance to vent because they, they make me so happy, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I, I missed miss the feeling of uh, the joke <laughs> to make when you had to go to overtime to beat Oakland. Those are those were fun times, but no, seriously, I, I there's there's been good Michigan Michigan teams in the past, but under the beeline thing, it was always kind of felt like they they hit their stride in like mid February. They had a couple of ugly games to that point that you got to make fun of. They're coming on and they just get hot and they go through the Big Ten tournament and then they they roll in the NCAA's. 
I don't remember a beeline team being like this, where I legitimately just sit here and go like, yeah, that's, that's just the best team in the big 10. And from, from basically beginning to end. Um, the sophomore Nick Stoskis team is the only, they won the big 10 by yeah. three. And, and that's the only time where, it, and that was crazy because they, they swept MSU in the regular season and then lost to them in the big 10 championship. If that rings your, brings back the memory. Uh, I think that would have, that have been at the time where, like, as an MSU fan, you you just really weren't willing to accept that John Beeline was going to be consistent. <laughs> so I was like, oh, like, this is a really good team, but this is, like, a one-off. I don't – and then, of course, he did become consistent. Like, I think if there's one thing I don't like about uh, maybe the national coverage of this Michigan team is I think, like, like let's not have Juwan Howard is building something out of nothing. Like, he took over a pretty no. good program. Yeah. No, no, he has elevated the program and done things differently in his way. Um, but, yeah, I can't I can't say that at any point, especially because the recruiting, like, Beeline, you knew he was going to get his guys, but it just came down to, like, if it's not the right mix, you can out-athlete them, we're going to out-recruit them. You feel pretty safe as an MSU fan. But now – I mean, if Juwan Howard can just always go plug just two fucking transfers he finds that are going to fit perfectly, like, what do you do? Like, even if he misses on recruiting, now he just finds two random-ass transfers that come in and fit perfect in his in his design. So I'm it's glad you a brought pretty... Because, I mean, does Michigan not just have the best tape in the country to go show any grad transfer? Like, hey, uh, we brought in Mike Smith out of – fucking columbia and now he's one of the best point guards he's running the show for a top five team in the country chandy like (laughs) he could have went to the nba his decision was go to michigan or go to the nba draft basically the other schools like didn't really matter and he comes here and juan's got that personality where now chandy's a sixth man and plays sometimes 15 to 20 minutes a game and and he won him the ohio state game yeah, I say he's your guy for the Ohio State game. And just, yeah, you know, I think, and I think that's always something that I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that Juwan always has to do. Because when you're recruiting at the level that Juwan's recruiting right now, you got to imagine whether it's missing on a kid, like he doesn't live up to the hype, or, he, you know, your kids are living up to the hype, but leaving early, you're going to have holes to fill randomly where you need to have a veteran come in and kind of take your squad from whatever position you think you're at to, to a little bit step above. And so if he can always nail it like this, I mean, you know, granted he has nailed these two, you know, he may not nail it this well again, but you know, that's, I think that's like some of that NBA mentality. Like granted he was never a GM. He was just an assistant in the NBA, but like he saw what he wanted to fill, went out and got transfers that fit right in like that's scary as a as a competing fan because like even if he's gonna miss on some of these recruits or they're gonna you know he's gonna have some issues if he can just go out and fill it in the transfer portal this well I mean they're gonna be consistent yeah Uh, so two more things on Michigan before we jump to Michigan State who I think is a lot more interesting because you know all we can do about Michigan right now is gush basically but (laughs) I I truly think so number one he brings in these transfers and I, I, you have to say there's some luck involved, right? Like I, it was so against the odds for 
uh, all this to happen and these guys to come in, which just speaks to Juwan's ability and, and Chandy's ability and Mike's ability. But thinking about how the sky is falling, the mentality was in April when Josh Christopher goes to Arizona State and Isaiah Todd decides to jump ship and go to the G League. And everybody was freaking out. There is no way Michigan is a top five team if you replace Mike and Chandy with Isaiah Todd and Josh Christopher. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Would you agree? I, I mean, I know that we're not talking. I mean, it, sure, they might be more talented, but they're also 18-year-olds. And you're bringing in Mike Smith, who has four years of college basketball experience and is able to run the offense effectively. Without him, you didn't have a point guard. And then uh, Chandy, Isaiah Todd would have made some great highlight plays, but Chandy Brown, you can bring in and he's going to lock down whoever he's guarding. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I feel like the mix of this team is so hitting on every stride that there's just no possible way that you could say, hey, let's take something out of it and it might go better. No, do I think you guys would have a big drop off? Maybe not. Because, I mean, those are talented kids, like, recruiting-wise that you miss out on. But if you're a Michigan fan, like, there's no downside. You've gone on to have an amazing season. And losing those kids, I mean, I guess we haven't hit full-on signing day yet to make sure that this class does show up to Ann Arbor. But at the same time, they've all signed. Yeah, so, you know, unless some of them back out and want to go to the G League all of a sudden, like, they're all going to be there. So, so it didn't even become a thing where it became a narrative of Jordan can get in and get guys, but you can lose them at the last minute or, you know, stuff like that. So there's no downside for a Michigan fan. Like, you know, it, it sucked for those couple of days online, I guess, but, but you would take that because this team has turned out great and uh, you, it didn't impact recruiting in any future way. So, so there's no downside at all and the only other thing i wanted to comment on is the fact that it's easy to get lost and look at the comeback against wisconsin and the the shootout against ohio state that they win but let's not forget that they made they played one of the ugliest basketball games i've ever seen against rutgers this week and they had a six minute scoring drought that started with them leading by 17 and finished with them leading by 13 it is they, they can win with their defense. They can win with their scoring. I am so blessed and lucky. God, just, I, I hate to be, I don't even want to do this because I hate these type of people, but it's so funny because like compared Jim Harbaugh, right? Like, come on. I mean, like this guy, Oh gets hired and you have radio personalities fucking dumbass Mike Valeni is like you're not going to come into the Big Ten and win basketball games and, and now it's year two and they're winning the best Big Ten of all time running away and, and Jim Harbaugh still hasn't beaten Ohio State in six years Jim Jim has to be Juwan's number one fan right like he he's door dashing him some nice stuff Partially, but every time he gets a, every time Juwan gets a big win, I see three or four people on MS or not on MSU Twitter, but on Michigan Twitter being like, man, it'd be nice if Jim Harbaugh could do this every once in a while. <laughs> okay, but that's like your three or four. No, but no, like, I, overall, I how know. nice is it to like 
distract everyone from the football program and because if this if this basketball season wasn't going great that football program would still be under the (laughs) under the magnifying glass a lot more so yeah Yeah. all right let's move on to michigan state uh because you know i thought uh probably two weeks ago they were dead in the water and that the tournament streak was over for sure and we all did (laughs) that yeah and then uh illinois we'll talk about what that game was, but man, MSU's got a shot to make the tournament. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I thought the tournament streak was done when we lost to Iowa the first time uh, back at the beginning of February, just because we led in that game. It felt like a chance to get a big, a big ticket win and they lose, you know, they lose close, but they end up losing that game. And then your next two wins are just Nebraska and Penn State. Mind you, Penn State, you had to come back from a lead that you blew. Um, And it kind of was like, okay, those are two nice wins, but those don't mean anything. I still think the tournament's dead. And then Iowa comes back and beats you by 30. And it's like, okay, that's that's about it. Like, let's play the young guys. Um, Let's move on from this season. Like, there is – you know, the, the tournament streak was great, but let's, you know, I'm already starting to cope with like, well, you know, the tournament streak ended last year because there was no tournament. Like that's when it really ended. Like I'm coping. That's big. I'm doing all, that doesn't I'm doing all my coping. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, I think the NFL draft streak is going to continue. So that's cool. And then I'm kind of like talking to myself, like is making the tournament every year that cool of a streak. There's 65. Like I'm in full cope mode at that point. Um, you know, and then we go and lose to Purdue, which is probably the loss that I hate the most because I just hate Matt Painter with, like, the most venom in my soul. Uh, and then, yeah, well, we go beat someone that I hate the second most in Archie Miller. And then the game last night being Illinois was probably the first time since the Duke game that I've actually enjoyed the basketball season. Because <laughs> um, even the wins after the Duke game, like, you're playing way too close with Mercy. You're playing way too close with Oakland. Uh, the defense is looking terrible. Like, sure, points are coming up, but you're just like, nothing about this looks like watching usual MSU basketball. Like, uh, so the the Illinois game was like the first one all season since the Duke game. And unlike the Duke game, I'm going to continue to enjoy it because I know Illinois is a good team. So um, that was great. And it feels like, someone finally got through to Tom Izzo that he, A, doesn't have to baby these guys. They are playing through a pandemic and they have gone through a lot, but it doesn't mean you have to completely throw out your entire style and just let guys get away with plays that you would never let people get away with. And also you can get a rotation figured out. So, you know, who knows? We have five games left. I think we need to go three and two to have a chance at the tournament and that, to me, three and two, and like let's assume we go one and one in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but anything below three and two, we probably need a longer tournament run. But uh, you got to beat Maryland, you got to beat Indiana, and then we just have to find one win between the Ohio State and two Michigan games. Um, the fan base will bounce down because they end with two losses to Michigan. But I think, again, if you win the first three and you end it three and two, that might be enough. Um, yeah. It's kind of where I'm at. But right. When I was putting together my how does MSU make the tournament, it was almost identical to that. I was a little bit more specific because 
I, I think if you end up losing to Maryland or Indiana, I'd, oh, that's a killer. If it I, is, if those are one of the losses, we're going to need. I said those running the tournament. Those games have to be dubs, I think, because yep. I, I mean, it, it's going to be close. I, I think it's closer if you go three and two with a win against Michigan on the second end of a back to back, and then you beat Ohio State, but you drop the game to in, to Indiana or Maryland. Whereas if, if you can beat those two teams that are right in the bubble and then just get one win against Ohio state or Michigan, I, I'd feel a little bit better, but you're, you're right. Three. I think the overall record in those five probably matters more. And I think definitely get a win in the big 10 tournament and nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna kill you if you go lose to, I mean, the, if you get a win on day one in the big 10 tournament, you are playing one of Michigan in or Michigan, Illinois, Iowa or Ohio state on day two, and nobody's going to kill you for a loss there. So, yeah. And there's really no good matchups in there for Michigan state because they're all going to have uh, huge mashup concerns for us. So, yeah. so, so my next thing that I had on MSU basketball, which has kind of become a little debate on, Michigan, Michigan State Twitter is where would you put? Do you think Aaron Henry deserves a second or third All Big Ten? Because obviously, bias here. I'd put him on second team All Big Ten, but uh, at minimum third. You know, and I know usually those spots are not going to go to a team that sits 10th place right now. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know how, if they make the tournament, like that is entirely on his back carried them to having a chance to make the tournament that is for sure i i i am not well versed in the entire big 10 enough to make a statement on what's fair beyond but if that dude isn't somewhere all big 10 i i don't know man like he i know the team sucks but like they don't really suck is the thing too. Like this big 10 conference is absolutely absurd. And I guess you could also use that as an argument to say why he shouldn't be on it. But I mean, yeah. he, is, he is the reason that MSU has a chance. I mean, other, I mean, other guys stepped up last night against Illinois, but if Aaron Henry doesn't perform the way he has, they might drop one of those Nebraska games or they might drop the Penn state game. And it, sure. it, if they do any of those, I don't give a shit if they beat Illinois last night, yeah. they're not in. And right. so he, he has absolutely kept them afloat. And uh, I'm glad you brought him up because I did want to commend him. And I kind of feel bad because I feel like, you know, anytime a college basketball player comes in and has a promising freshman year Everybody is just kind of waiting for when he's going to be a, a motherfucker. Like, and uh, Aaron Henry this year has been a motherfucker. And it sucks that for you guys that it's been wasted on a team that has been floundering. I know. But, but I, I, I absolutely know. think he deserves it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, basically to me, if he can't get on the top three, all the 10, I think we just need to make a rule that you have to be on a team that's in the top half of the week. Cause if that's what we're saying, you guys just make it a rule, <laughs> you know? Um, the other thing I think I owe, I owe a big apology, man. You know, I think it was maybe on the show. I think it was the show that we did with Dan with Solja. Uh, I said the Marcus Bainham experiment is, is over. I, you know, like his minutes were low. 
ridiculous just, last time. It was clear to me. It was clear the coaches had moved on and said like, "You're not in this rotation. In this rotation, uh, like the experiment's over. Expect him in the transfer portal." Now I'm afraid that he still might end up in the transfer portal right as he's hitting a stride. I mean, yeah, Kofi Coburn still pushed him around last night, but he also recovered and got a block on Kofi Coburn. Uh, he's found his offensive game. He had two and one on dunk putbacks last night. Like Marcus Bingham should be starting at the five. Uh, and that's huge to me. Um, and I think that now like, the most interesting interesting thing is to watch how the five gets rotated, especially with these games like Ohio State uh, playing Michigan. You know, what what do you do as far as like how much does Marble get run? How much does Maddie Sissoko get run? And how little does Thomas Kithier get run? Because I said at the beginning of the season he has a role, and then we all just ripped Thomas Kithier all season. Well, I think we need to be like a little more fair. I don't think it's all on Thomas Kivier, I think. Well, no, it's on Thomas. No one wanted to see him that much. <laughs> it's, it, it is never on the player almost to me when it's, if a player has a bad game or a couple bad games, then go ahead and rip him and say, you need to be better. But it got to a point in late January, early February, where it was like, we know what Thomas Kivier is. And Izzo plays him almost 30 minutes a night. And what is Thomas, is is Kithier supposed to be like, sorry, coach, I think one of these guys would be better on the court. You want me to come out? (laughs) Like, I I felt he was very unfairly treated. But that's just sports in general. I think fans rip on the player more than they should just rip. And there's a little bit of narrative to it, you know, him and, Lawyer played at Clarkson. Never mind that kid either committed before he went to Clarkson, but you know, they're both Clarkson kids. Dane Fife's dad coaches at Clarkson. Dane Fife, uh, very similar to Dan Dockich, will search his name on Twitter and get into fights. So just there was a whole ball of wax that goes into the whole like online community against Kidier. (laughs) So uh, his mom blocks everyone on Twitter. Uh, there was a whole thing. It, you know, we became our own little entertaining, like, reality show around the TK15 experience. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that seeing how the five is going to go, and and I'm just going to decide, like, for the rest of the season, I'm going to try and not worry about the tournament. I was out of it, and now I'm back into thinking about the tournament. Um but I'm just going to enjoy Aaron Henry and uh, enjoy Josh Laneford. Man, I waited two years to see Josh Laneford back. And last night, oh my God, the dude, the dude got 16 rebounds. He's jumping up and ripping the ball out of guys' hands. He was and like, points, too. Yeah, he was, he was really, really good. It's really good to see. Like, he's not an NBA player, but I watched him last night and I'm like, you know what, Josh, you're going to, if that foot holds up. <laughs> you're going to go over to Europe and you're going to get five to 10 years of making good money traveling hey, Europe. Everybody you know, extra year of eligibility, huh? Seventh year senior. Oh <laughs> my God. I wouldn't want to take, I, you know, the thing is in most situations, I'd say, no, you got to go. I love the kid. If he wants to come back, I guess I'd take him back, but I want him to go make his money too. So I don't think he needs to work on a PhD. He needs to, <laughs> he needs to move on, but 
that's I think that's where I'm at right now. Like I would love to see the streak continue. I'm not someone that gets big into a thing like that. Like the NCAA streak is great, but let's be honest. A Duke might go out this year. John Calipari's streak has never had a streak. He's had Kentucky miss the tournament. Like once it's done, once we rip that band-aid off, I'll be okay with it. Um, I just want to enjoy as much Aaron Henry and Josh Lanford as we can get. And I hope that includes NCAA games uh, for the two of them, you know, just to, just to see them keep playing. Cause right now that's, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, I, I agree. I and mean, that's a good mindset to have. Uh, I, I want to play devil's advocate for a little bit though, because I have seen MSU Twitter, you know, and I'm not going to blame them because they should be wild not the last 24 hours. You beat a top five team. I don't care about the context. You should celebrate. I just want to play devil's advocate for a moment. Illinois has played down to every bottom feeder team that they <laughs> faced. They went to overtime against Nebraska and Northwestern. However, Michigan State played like an average Big Ten team, which is a good team. It, you know, an average Big Ten team is a good team. They had a very good – they had a good game. It also took Illinois missing 15 free throws. Right. And they, they probably went in in the absolute wrong mindset because that seems like their deal. Um for sure. I just, they were not on the same page as MSU, like intensity-wise, no, no. 100%. You could tell that from the jump. So I just worry about their capability of going three and two in this final stretch because Illinois just has that history. And, and now you lose the shock factor. Ohio State is going to come out tomorrow, and they are going to be ready. However, they're losing, they're losing Kyle Young. So that's a big help to MSU. Um, right. I, I just worry about that a little bit. And – I got to be honest, the way Juwan talked about MSU last year in post games, the way he, the way he act, I'm not sure you're stealing one against Michigan. I like, <laughs> well, if, if we do, it's not going to be because Michigan overlooked and didn't show up. That's for sure. Like, yeah. you know, we're not going to get lucky and catch one of those. And, and it's really hard to beat this Michigan team. That's all we spent the first segment of this show talking about. So yep. that, totally. That, that is my only. Uh, worry about trying to get one of those wins so I, I just don't know if I'm a pessimistic jerk who's just trying to downplay my right or or if these are founded concerns <laughs> no that's totally fair so uh speaking of pessimistic jerk do you want to talk about your hockey team now too and how <laughs> how, you, how much happier they make you than my hockey team yeah sure let, let, let <laughs> transition um so the thing is that I know they make me happier and it's, I'm going to sound like a spoiled brat, but goddamn, can they be frustrating? Um, there is no world where Michigan should have lost to Ohio state last Friday. <laughs> like none. none at all. Ohio state is the worst team in this conference. They are not even close to good. And, and it's just a problem with Michigan's. I don't know if it's just a freshman uh, I, if it's just how young the team is, but they have a real problem with playing down. They're the Illinois of the hockey conference. They play down to whoever they are playing against. The, the M the M go hockey cast was talking a couple weeks ago after the Wisconsin series, how the big 10 probably has three of the 
six most talented teams in the country in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And Michigan has yet to play Minnesota where both teams are at full strength because of the world juniors. Uh, but Wisconsin swept Minnesota and Michigan went head to head with a fully, uh, with a full strength Wisconsin and they split a series and deserve to split it. I have no problem saying Michigan is at that level, but they lost a game to MSU the night after they beat them nine to zero. They lost a game to Ohio state the night before they beat them six to zero. It, they lost a game to Penn state in which they surrendered nine goals. I, I mean, and these are the bottom teams in the conference. Like there, there's really no excuse for any of those performances. You shouldn't be losing games to Michigan state or Ohio state. They can't skate with you if you're going full, full steam ahead and Penn state, I don't care how talented the team is when you have Strauss man. And uh, Oh my God, I'm a terrible person. Eric Portillo <laughs> as your two goalies, you should not be giving up nine goals in a game to anybody that is not in the NHL. <laughs> like, it, it, well, it, and, and you skip over it. Cause I think they're hanging around you in the standings, but as the season's gone on, that sweep to Notre Dame kind of looks uh, worse. Yeah. It looks worse. Unexplainable too. Like it's at the time bad. we say like, Hey, it's a young team. Notre Dame's so structured, you know, it's a bad matchup, but the more I watch Notre Dame, I can't understand that sweep. That's I'm going to write it off to the learning curve of playing a team so structured because that genuinely was the first time they've played a team like that in all of these right. games coming out of the USNTDP or coming out of the BCHL. Like I, I am willing to write that off because of when it happened in the schedule. Um, it shouldn't have been a sweep, but I'm not going to fret over right. it. But Michigan's locked out. They're not going to win the Big Ten championship, which is a bummer. Uh, but I definitely think next year is the year for that if you want it to happen, if you're a Michigan fan, because I don't see – I don't think anybody in this NHL draft class is ready to be an NHL player next year at all. So I think worst-case scenario, you're looking at losing – out of the NHL kids, you're looking at losing Beecher York and uh, Power, maybe Power. Uh, but I think you're going to have a ton of super talented sophomores, and I think we've seen throughout college hockey – super talented sophomore is much more valuable than a super talented freshman. Um, so, so I'm not worried about that. It just sucks to see the inconsistency. Now, on the other hand, I think Michigan has shown that they have the capability to where if they walk into the big 10 tournament, they could go run the table. They could lose day one to some team they shouldn't to, but they could go run the table and lift a trophy. And I think if they get into the NCAA tournament, there's no overlooking anybody in that tournament. And I think they could run the table because I do think they're that talented And the NCAA hockey tournament is so goddamn random. So, so that's the upside. Um, and I know because MSU is having a not good season and it's really a bummer because of the point in Denton Cole's tenure. So it sounds super spoiled, but uh, let, let's not paint these guys as perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so a, before we get into the MSU hockey things of it, cause you brought up the 10 year, I'm going to pull my hair out. You know, like I love being the, the go-to MSU like guy on Twitter about hockey. 
and I love to help people learn about it and, and become new fans. Yeah, but, but man, year three in, is not in hockey what it is in football because of the way recruiting works. So I will throw that. Yeah, in. if I have to answer one more time, like if we need to be worried about Dan Cole, I'm gonna just fucking lose it. Like honestly, at this point, like here's the deal. Um, <laughs> you have to understand, like he he has because he's been more ruthless. He has not brought in Tom Anastas's recruits. Uh, I want to, I want to quick, you know, and I hate to, you know, dog kids. Let's look at the last recruiting class that Tom Anastas really had most of the class in. I'll give him credit. Mitch Lewandowski has panned out. Uh, the two other kids from Mitch Lewandowski's Honeybake team, which were highly thought of when they committed at 15. One is now at Northern Michigan as a fourth line player because he transferred out of MSU. And the other uh, doesn't play hockey and goes to Grand Valley as a student. That's that's where we were at. So you have to completely rebuild these relationships with 15 and 16 year old kids in the AAA system that you just weren't pulling kids from. And so, you know, and, and at the same time, like, yeah, I think he's done a decent job finding some some 19 and 20 year olds to come in and fill in for these last two classes, but they were also uncommitted often at 19 and 20 for a reason. They're, they're not sure fire. They might come in and light the world on fire, but they might come in and be eight to 10 point guys. And that's what they are. And you just can't build a whole roster on that. So, um, you know, I think if you want to, if you want to look at Dan Cole, like I want to point out guys like Tommy Apap, if he played all four years under Tom Anastas, there's no way Tommy Apap is who he is right now. He is that because of the development of Dan Cole. Um, where this season's probably been the most frustrating, like I said, I mean, I went into the season sixth or seventh place was probably what they were going to finish. Where this season is the most frustrating is I'm just going to run through some numbers here real quick. Um, 1.70 goals per game, 48th in the country. You know who's right ahead of them? Long Island University, who started up this year. Like, that's brutal. There's You just can't have, And I will say, number one killer in that is that you have no out-of-conference. Like, the only team you get to beat up on this year is Arizona State. Everybody else, like you said, you have three of the top six teams in the country in this league. So, yeah, it's going to be harder. And Long Island University is now playing Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. But 1.7 goals per is just brutal when you remember two years ago when the KHL line was humming and it was – you know, that was like the first step that things were going well. Uh, power play, 49th in the country, under 7%. Again, just god awful. So, so MSU is the Red Wings. Oh, my God. It is. And, it, and it feels bad because, you know, I think Mitch Lewandowski deserved a better senior year. And you can just see oh. that it's just so hard. Like, we don't have Vitaro Hirose. We don't have – the Patrick Kodarenko. We have guys that are trying to fill into those roles and Charlie Combs as a grad transfer has been amazing. Um, but it's just too big of a drop off at the top. So this is where I transition to say, uh, Dan Cole deserves some more time because I want to tell you right now that the four forwards who have committed and already signed are four of the top 20 scorers in the USHL right now. 
uh, coming in next year. So you've got Eric Mittendorf, who's going to be a 20 year old. He's third in the league in points. He's already played college hockey. Like there's going to be no adjustment for him. Um, Tanner Kelly, who is an amazing kid out of the little Caesars program. He's an 18 year old and he's 11th in the league in points. Like to me, that's the new Patrick Kodarenko. They're both from California. That's a nice little tie in. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to look forward to. They're seven, 13 and two right now. A couple of those wins are Arizona state, but they have series this weekend against Notre Dame series against Wisconsin. And I assume we're going to have two games against Michigan. We haven't scheduled the second one. Yeah. With you guys, I don't know if that's going to get scheduled or what's going to happen there, but they don't all five, of, all five of the games right now are at Mun. So I look at it like you got to split with Notre Dame. Maybe you split with Wisconsin. And I mean, I would take that season, you know, because you have to think if we had some out of conference games, you're closer to 500 right there. Uh, but this is just way too loaded of a, a league for, for this team. And God, do I feel bad for Drew DeRitter. <laughs> that dude has been pulled twice in first period games, Brendan. And he, to me, should win the Richter Award. And it's just, I can't imagine you're a Richter Award nominee and twice now this season you've been pulled in the first period because the Krieger brothers can't guard someone in front of you or it's just absolute shit in front of you for a first period. At least you guys, and and I know that this is going to sound terrible, but that weekend where despite losing 9-0 to Michigan, you guys exited the weekend tied in the standings with us. You'll always have yeah. that. That was a good That's time. true. Uh, Speaking of the standings, I think they can't – I think the ceiling is fifth, but I, I don't think they can even get there because the crappy part is Penn State quit playing. So uh, Penn, so even though on points they look doable, I don't think Penn State's going to get enough games in, so we're going to have to go to points percentage. And I think uh, that puts us at sixth is like our ceiling with yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, that it stinks, but you know, at least you got the the crews coming next year, and yep. I, I still have faith in Danton Cole as a hockey coach. You know, he he pulls out wins that he shouldn't. I mean, there was no way Michigan should have lost to them uh, oh. night after that nine zero game. And, and as much as you I think there and scold Michigan for it, you have to. <laughs> say way to go MSU for getting your guys up and going and I mean that was a game they went down 2-1 with four minutes left MSU yep. did and they, they still rallied back to win it so good I think if uh, just wrapping up on like how you should feel if you're if you're not an MSU hockey fan and follows this and you come to our show to hear me and Brendan talk about it or to learn more about it all you need to know is that the four, the four forwards, Eric Mittendorf, Jesse Tucker, Jeremy Davidson, and Tanner Kelly, who are all coming in, those four will be in the top six forwards next year. And there's no reason that you should have four freshmen in your top six. But it's going to happen because that is where the team is at depth-wise right now, especially up front. So it's exciting, but I think that also just tells you everything you need to know about why you're scoring 1.7 goals of a game right now. Yeah. All right. Well, are we ready to transition into our final segment, which is uh, Football National Signing Day? Yeah, that was a spicy one for us, huh? Yeah. A little spicy. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Well, I'm going to have you lead in about Michigan State 
Um, I want you to spend one minute talking about Michigan State's best signee while I go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, my God. I got a vamp on the best signee. So, um, man, best player. So, like, this is kind of weird. So, I think you can kind of look at it freshman or transfer. For MSU, we did take seven transfers in. But we're doing it based off signing day alone of our freshmen. Um, I mean, by 24-7 composite, it's uh, pretty pretty easy to pick out who that was. It was Ma, uh, I still have to learn the name, Ma Geotate uh, from Bishop Gorman, four-star offensive linebacker, um, or outside linebacker, rather, uh, you know, top 160 player on 24-7, uh, the number 10 linebacker in the country. He has to be far and away the top player that we get and we equip him on signing day from USC who he'd been committed to since he was a sophomore in high school as his older brother was a linebacker at USC as well so I think you know especially going off rankings it's super easy to to go with Ma as our uh, as our best player um, for me personally I think the the player that I'm you know, we'll, we'll cover the other ones. I think they're going to be more intriguing or more important positions. But Ma, probably most important as uh, as our freshman. Because like I said, seven transfers kind of changes how I feel about what was the most important coming in. But uh, Ma, especially if he can nail his brother down as a grad transfer, easily best player in our class. Okay, yeah. I... So I got to ask you, it's a little bit harder for you now to nail down best player because, I mean – QB, when you have a QB that highly ranked, it's got to be auto number one, right? But I mean, I look at the Michigan class and I think like the player that I'm, if I were a Michigan fan, I'd be the most excited about is Giovanni Alhadi because you need so much help on the offensive line, I feel like. But what, what do you say? Is it, is it just have to be McCarthy? Because like when you get a QB that's top 25 in the country, it's just, it's got to be him. Yeah, it is. I, uh... okay. I, um, I'll talk about the offensive line later. And, uh, when we talk about our uh, worst miss, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you put it perfectly when you have a QB that you bring in that's top 25 in the country, it, he is the best and he's the most important. Uh, it's, it's hard not to pick him. And, and here's the thing about them is we, we were going on, through the beginning of the offseason about how there's no way they should extend Harbaugh. And of course they extend him through like 2027 or whatever. And I'm thinking as a guy who was supposed to be the QB whisperer, you bring in, you finally have your hands on this guy where a lot of people were excited about Joe Melton, but his completion percentage in high school was always there. Uh, I was excited about Dylan McCaffrey, but he's out. Now you have a guy that's a top 25 recruit in the country at Harbaugh's position of specialty. Obviously, I'm not expecting him to come in as a freshman and be the starter and be a quality starter. But if we're sitting here after J.J. McCarthy's third year in school and he's not a very good quarterback in the Big Ten, I think you can just say to hell with it. Like, what are we what are we doing here if you can't do it with him, you know? So, so we have a whole off season to dig into this. So don't feel that you have to answer this right now. But a question that I have on JJ McCarthy, 
So you've got JJ and Cade right now in the room, right? Got to be your, your top two. Kind of seems like you should really find yourself a grad transfer for one year, right? Take yeah. the pressure off JJ. Don't make it so it's just JJ and Cade going in for the battle. Because if that's the battle, you've got to give it to JJ. Because like I, we saw Cade last year. I don't see how. Well, okay. So Cade was good against Rutgers, and he also hurt his shoulder against Rutgers. And so I'm, well, I'm going to be hesitant to use any film after that game because – Well, no, that's fair. But what I mean is, like, unless he comes out and sets the world on fire, right behind him is J.J. Like, that is an untenable situation. You know, no. especially, like, playing, playing Washington early, playing the schedule you've got. I feel like it's important for Harbaugh to go get himself a one-year grad transfer – take some pressure off JJ and everyone. And if JJ beats out a grand transfer, then like you just roll with it. You just go. Right. But like, I look at MSU taking Anthony Russo. Like I was talking to uh Dick Stauskas on Twitter, a great Michigan follow. Like that was the perfect guy. Not by, not by stature, not by like, I mean, it's temple. I don't think it would have excited the Michigan fan base, but that would have been like a great get for Michigan for one year. You know, they need their, they need their Rudock for this year to take some pressure off and let JJ develop. And then JJ comes in fall of 22 and that's your guy. I I agree completely that they should get a grad transfer. Um, I, I don't see, I I know it's only February, but. I think after spring practice, you're going to have some guys. Think so. Okay. Well, I I think you can have some availability. Now, does it mean it's a good fit for Harbaugh and you guys? I don't know, but I, I mean, there's going to be guys like with the COVID year and you have a free transfer. You're silly not to, if you're, if you're staring down the barrel of being the second or third guy on your team. Yeah. You know? so, so I do agree with that. I think they need to look for sure. Maybe, maybe around, uh, around April, we can get thick on and see what, see what he thinks. Yeah. See what um, we're doing. He's yeah. definitely more versed in football than I think either of us are. Um, yeah. I, I, I think they need one because um, you're right. I think a K, if your only options are KJJ or Dan Valari, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. At that point, you almost look and I'd still want to see what Kate has, but um, part of me just says, "Well, start JJ, throw him into the fire, and Oof. see what happens." But yeah. I, We'll, we'll see. It, it's a very interesting situation. Let, let's change the subject, though. Um, okay. Because he might be the best player they're bringing in, but he's not the one I'm most excited about, Jeremy. The one I'm most excited about, and I've been burnt with some running backs before, but Donovan Edwards, baby, how can you not be most excited about him? This kid, is, his tape is ridiculous. And I mean, this is before he's going to Michigan, so y'all can't even blame the Michigan media, but he's getting compared to Alvin Kamara. Like, this kid has all of the physical traits. My only worry is the running back room he's entering and the way that that rotation went last year. Uh, But but in the grand scheme of things, even if we only get three years of Donovan Edwards, we're going to see some highlights, and he's probably going to put up decent numbers. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think – if that's who you're most excited about, I'm going to give you a little bit extra. Uh, you know, before answering my most excited, I'll cover who the miss for MSU that hurts the most, and it's related to Donovan Edwards. Not that we were ever in on him, 
So see, Donovan Edwards comes, and then his head coach decides that he wants to come with and Ron Bellamy. And I think that Bellamy is basically the reason you guys snag Sean Benny on uh, signing day. So I'm going to do the MSU thing of trying, you know, cover my wounds a little bit here. I will say, like, Mel Tucker with one on-campus visit with Rayshon Benny and all Zoom. Like, Rayshon Benny straight up said, under the old staff, MSU was not on the radar. So for the fact that he got him to commit the day after the Michigan, or I think it was like a day or two after the Michigan football game, is amazing. Sucks that he doesn't hold him. He holds him all the way to signing day. And we're laughing about the whole M emoji thing. But you know what? If Ron Bellamy doesn't come to Michigan, I think Rayshon Benny's still coming to Michigan State. That was a great, you know, a great motivating factor for him to go back to who was probably his leader for a long time, right? Like I assume yeah. Yeah. if it's D'Antonio at MSU, I think Rayshon Benny is a Michigan commit in the early fall. I think you know? so. I think that showed a lot. You know, Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker won lost round one. Uh, we'll have to see how the younger Van Zummerin comes out to see if uh, he gets a little bit of revenge on, on losing one D tackle, but then taking one who decommits from Michigan. So we'll have to see how that goes. But for me, obviously, that's that's the miss that hurts the most. Just for the storyline, it was not the biggest position of need for Michigan State. He go by position of need. I really wanted Hunter Mislinski, who was a center who committed to Texas, decommitted from Texas, then ended up at Iowa. Who can blame a center choosing Iowa, right? Like that's yeah, that's your perfect spot. But we lost him twice, and I would have loved having uh, Michael. Sorry, I think I said Hunter, but Michael Mislinski. Would have loved to have him, but that you know between him and Benny, those are the two that hurt the most. I I just want to give what uh, one thing. The absolute confidence that MSU Twitter had the <laughs> national signing day about Benny coming to Michigan State. Like a couple oh, writers were like, oh, we're hearing uh, there, this might not be over with Rayshon Benny. <laughs> and, and like, seriously, those writers got absolutely trashed. They were torn to shreds. And you're talking about like EJ Holland and Sam Webb because yeah. we're gonna trash them anyways. So. That's fine, and and you know they're home. <laughs> who who the, whoever that writes for two forty seven arrivals like who isn't? But it, yeah, it, it just like oh my gosh, it was just absolute perfection. If you're a fan of like going like cold take Twitter, if you're oh. a fan of that, it was absolutely perfect. But I mean, I I get it like. Why not get def- I, I Michigan fans would have been just as defensive in the same situation. Like, sure. I'm a big proponent of we're all the same. We just have different I mean, throw at each other. But I mean, the younger Van Summer is going to get a Clemson offer this week. And if he does commit to MSU, you know, Michigan Twitter is still going to say he just wasn't that good. And the kids got a Clemson offer. So we know it's all. That's how it goes, right? That's how it's going to yeah, be. No, of course. Every, every Twitter has their faults. <laughs> so what's so what's the miss for michigan what's the one that hurts rocco spindler uh oh my god he ends up going to notre dame and that's a guy where i just i was really excited about him and that might be personal but you already talked about we we did get the good some good old linemen in this class uh, i think a top 100 guy 
you mentioned earlier. El Hadi's, uh, El Hadi's top 100. And then uh, a guy that I really want MSU to get, you know, Raheem Anderson from Cast Tech. He, he's in the 200s, but I think, I think he got a couple of good ones. But yeah. The, and that's yeah. a position in need. We lose that Carpenter in the off season and that's a bummer. Yeah. But Barocco, I was pretty excited about. And then it's just salt in the wound that he ends up going to Notre Dame. It, it always hurts for us. That's why Rayshon Benny is yours when there was a worse one at a position of need, right? It, it always hurts a little bit more when he goes to the rival. And I, well, that's it. We both lost one to Notre Dame. So, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we both lost one to Notre Dame. And in a way, the one we lost to Notre Dame and Audrey Estime kind of opened up Diamond Edwards because that was Notre Dame was your number one competition for him it sounded like so yeah 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 Uh, all right well let's let's talk about who you're most excited about then that's our one left then yeah I think well I think I did I added a question without you knowing so I put on the outline of uh best under the radar so if you want to think of who your under the radar guy is but uh most excited to see play um I mean it, that's a tough one. Like I, I, I mean, there's a lot of excitement about Hamp Fay, the quarterback. Um, I think we're a couple of years away from seeing him. Like I'd love to see him, but right now, I really want to see Cameron Allen, the tight end from Texas. Uh, the dude's six five, and like we need a tight end to actually pan out for once. I'm super excited to see him, and uh, and I think just out of like curiosity of fun, I got to see what Keon Coleman does because like. He's a freak athlete. I don't know how soon we'll see him on the field as a wide receiver, but the fact that he could be our next two-sport guy, kind of like our Matt Trannon again, that alone gives me excitement. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Cameron Allen because, I mean, I've talked to him on Twitter. The kids the kids from Texas, he's out there saying he loves the snow. Like, he's getting out every day in the snow, loves it up here. Like, that's that's my dude right now. I love that. Well, that's I know- a position of need. You're a big, you're a big snow guy. So I, oh, I, I God. That, that, that really clicks. Well, just, for you. You, gotta I got, love a, you gotta love a kid that comes from like the Southern States and says like, you know, like we, we always hear when we live up here and we're trying to recruit the like the Southwest and everything like, Oh, they're not going to want to come up there because of snow. And then your Texas kid, he becomes an early enrollee. He gets here just before a humongous snowstorm. And he's out here saying like, yeah, I'm outside every day. I love this. Like, you got to love to hear that because yeah, I hope sure. you know, Cameron, you're going to play Penn State on like November 29th and it's going to be miserable and cold and raining. So I hope you enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Joe Melton made Michigan Twitter cream their collective pants when uh, he said that he came to Michigan partially because he wanted prep for the NFL playing in the snow. And so I will warn you, sometimes it doesn't always work out. But at least um, he was Maryland, right? He's seen snow before. So No, Melton was Florida. Was he Florida? For some reason, yeah. I thought he was a Maryland guy. DMV no, guy. He, he was Florida. Uh, uh, okay, I found an under-the-radar one. I don't know if it's under-the-radar enough, but uh, I really get excited about Andre Anthony, the wide receiver out of East Lansing. I mean, that's three star. That counts. Yeah, he's, your class is as low as Michigan's. Like that counts. He's outside of the top five hundred on two forty seven, and uh, you know it, it comes from another one. It, you always love to pull one out of the out of East Lansing or Columbus, and uh, 
he was another one that MSU Twitter was real excited about thinking he was gonna go to State. Um, but but he's really athletic, it seems. And uh, if we know anything about Michigan's football staff, is they know how to take advantage of athleticism at the wide receiver position. <laughs> oh god. The thing about Andrew is Andrew is gonna be a fun one. Because you know what? He's either going to be – and, and again, he's an East Lansing kid. I love him. Like, I've wanted MSU to get him for years. I I drive by his football field all the way – all the time on the way home from work. Love the kid. But he is either going to work out and we're going to have to just, like, be like, oh, we're cool with that because he's an East Lansing kid. Good for him. Or he is going to get the Drake Harris treatment from MSU Twitter for, like, five years. <laughs> and we loved how much Drake Harris didn't work out. Uh, unfortunately, due to some injuries, like, I didn't want it out of injury. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be fascinating, man. Uh, it will be. It could, I, it could go either way. Really some interesting classes. Um, I, if we're going to – I'll say one more thing about recruiting just to throw some more shit. Um, I know it's Mel Tucker's first year and that all the COVID stuff because it's his first year does make it harder, but y'all do know that nobody else is getting these kids to campus either. Right. (laughs) Well, here's, here's my, my comeback. You do know though, that he literally got here in March, right? No, 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 no. (laughs) That's true. That stuff is had a staff for a week. This, I know, this this next class, I don't think it's trending that great either. And it's very early. So there is still plenty. Uh, of- I think they're at according to 24-7, they're at 27th right now with three kids in. Okay, that's better. So that's, that's so I think bad. it's going okay. Uh, but it's way too early. I mean, they're also partially there because they have three in some schools who are gonna wait, are gonna be very slow on that so um yeah no that's fair i think it's gonna be i think this year is gonna be a fun recruiting battle i hope in may we get the on-campus visits back because i would love a poll like from may through next signing day let's see who comes out better because i think that's gonna be fun yeah uh, we gotta we're going long so i'll get my under the radar in and get us out of here um man i mean MSU, we love us, the under-the-radar kid, right? That's kind of what we love. My guy, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Antoine Booth. He's a cornerback out of DeMatha Catholic in, uh, in the Maryland area. Ooh, He's one of the Hunter earlier Dickinson. commits. That's nice. What was that? That's where Hunter Dickinson went. There you go. That's also with fan favorite and now on staff at MSU, linebacker Darian Harris went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love Darian, so – you know, I love a guy like Harlan Barnett is going to take a guy that if, a, if, it, if it's a kid that Harlan Barnett wants, I don't care that he's a three-star. Like, I'm just going to trust that judgment. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what happens with him. I have no expectation that he'll see the field early. I think that we're going to hit the portal hard for another cornerback. We got one already from Florida coming. I, I assume we're going to go after another one. So I have no expectation to see him early. Um, but he's just one that, you know, I'm – he has like kind of that potential for me to, uh, to be all of a sudden in four years, be like, damn, he was a three-star. Um, that's kind of my guy. So. Cool. All right. Well, this is a fun return to the podcasting business. Uh, I had a good time. I would like to share this fun fact before we go, because we made the Indiana joke at the beginning. Um, when this zoom call began, 
The score of the Indiana Rutgers game was Indiana 22, Rutgers 9. And I made a joke about them blowing a lead. The score now with six minutes remaining is Rutgers 63, Indiana 45. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers is winning by 20. <laughs> I feel I feel safe about Indiana, that middle stretch, that Maryland and Indiana. I think I might feel safe about being beating Archie Miller in six-on-six basketball because MSU Twitter has loved talking about how much Archie Miller was on the court. Like, we can't see that Tom Izzo's way out on the court most of the night. So, we're going to play him six-on-six. Did you – you can make those jokes about Juwan. Did you guys see him pick up Mike Smith after a foul in the Rutgers game? (laughs) I did not. I did not. I mean, we're we're always going to remember that we had that three that got taken off because of a – technical on Juwan so yeah we know he's a court guy that's fine he dude he so Mike Smith gets fouled against Rutgers and it's right by the Michigan bench Juwan storms past the referee (laughs) picks up Mike Smith but he doesn't just pick him up he looked like he was still playing like he picked him up and Mike flies through the air (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't pop his shoulder out of socket. Like it was just crazy. Yeah, it, it's good stuff. I, and you know what? I look forward to these. So I think Michigan and Michigan State play a week from tomorrow for the first time. They play on Thursday, I think. So we should try and do this again on Wednesday so we get another pod in before that. Uh, but, but it's been good being back. Uh, thank yeah. you for listening and sticking with us. Uh, We'll be better next season when I'm working on Monday through Friday, nine to five and not moving and hopefully no more COVID shutdowns. So no more COVID and I, I assume it's easier when they're not 10 month old, but we will see how that goes. But yeah, I, we will be better about this and we will actually stick around. We will make it up to you folks and we will be around this spring and summer because last time we just didn't do anything this spring or summer because it was too depressing, but we're going to have to hype football hardcore this year. Yeah, for sure. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to go on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you're listening to. uh, Try and rate, subscribe, leave a fun review about how great we are. Uh, Other than that, uh, do you want to get any cheap shots in about Archie Miller before we go? I don't need to. Archie Miller just does that for himself.